0: You I'm Steve. I'm Erica. And we are in a series we've been doing all through this season of Lent, following the path of Jesus from the Garden of Gethsemane to uh, his death and crucifixion, and uh, the, often is, is thought of as the Stations of the Cross. Throughout this whole series, we've been following episodes and events that are found in the New Testament Gospels, so uh, this is a little bit different path than sometimes called this, the Stations of the Cross that you might see in a... a, a Uh, church or some place like that, which might include extra biblical moments. Um, But uh, today, where are we headed?
1: So today we are looking at the crucifixion of Jesus, uh, when Jesus promises the kingdom to the repentant thief, and when Jesus entrusts his mother Mary to his disciple John.
0: So the actual crucifixion of Jesus is the moment when he's actually nailed to the cross is what we're talking about here. So even though we kind of treat like this whole Good Friday thing, as you know, the crucifixion, like this is the moment, the actual stringing up Mm -hmm. on a a cross, right? Okay. Um,
2: And he's not
0: dead yet. Right, right, right. right. Also important to say. Right, right, right. And and I think we've talked before over this series that as as a practice, the Romans tried to make crucifixion be as gruesome and painful, and sometimes mm-hmm. as prolonged as possible, yes. that later on we'll get to a point in the story when they hasten Jesus' death, and that that's sort of a weird oddity, because most of the time the Romans tried to make this go on as long as possible, both to inflict maximum pain, but then to also make it more of a spectacle to drive home mm-hmm. their point to people who were not being crucified, mm-hmm. don't step out of line or we'll do this to you.
1: And I think because the Romans expediated Jesus and the others that we're on the cross with him, we forget that this is something that can last for over a day. Yeah. And even oh, and today. So, you know, yeah. depending yeah. on, um, a lot of circumstances.
2: Yeah. I think I, I, I read once that your best, the best time, if you're going to be crucified, the day you want to be crucified is Friday. Be, it, or at least in this part of the world, where well, it's, um,
0: the observed Sabbath, you mean? Yeah. Observed okay. Sabbath.
2: Right. Because, um, For the Jews, you didn't want to have a dead body just hanging out all Sabbath. So um, they would do things to help speed it along, Mm -hmm. like break people's legs so that they couldn't support themselves anymore, you know... Dab them with a spear, um, those kinds of things in order to kind of speed along the process so that you would die before sundown on Friday so you could be properly buried before the Sabbath came. Mm-hmm. So that's the best day. If you're going to get crucified.
0: <laughs> Mental note.
2: Try for Friday after.
0: And it seems like the the way the story plays out too. It seems even more significant that this is right around Passover time. When John narrates it in his gospel, he notes that this is not only the Sabbath, but in his chronology, it's the day of preparation for the big uh, Passover Mm -hmm. meal. And that there is sort of it's like the most sacred of all. So it's Mm -hmm. not. It'd be like when Christmas Eve falls on a Sunday. So it's not. It's not just Sunday. Oh, it's Christmas (laughs) Eve Sunday. We everything's closed. We and, Mm -hmm. and there's a sense of we don't want to do this terrible, ugly, awful thing on this day. As though that excuses the terrible, awful thing that's about to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, the the other thing that's maybe worth remembering again: we often picture Jesus by himself, or Jesus and two other crosses. But it's frequent that when the Romans crucified people, they line the roads with them. I mean, like mm-hmm. that, it wasn't it it wasn't just uh, one or two people. Sometimes it was that, but sometimes it was. W- we rounded up a whole bunch of people who were in the insurgent army, or a bunch of people we captured, or whatever, and we're crucifying them all. Like mm-hmm. uh, in my mind, is that end scene toward the movie Spartacus? You know, oh. where like all the captured slaves get crucified. So it's not just Spartacus who dies, but all of them all at once. And the, that harrowing scene of watching all of them be crucified there as the the roads going by.
1: Thanks for ruining it for me.
0: You didn't know how Spartacus ends. No. <laughs> okay, we have to have some conversation <laughs> later on when the microphone so is not on. You've had you've had sixty years to watch Spartacus. I'm, I'm only thirty six. I'm, I'm not going to apologize. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to spoil how Titanic ends, but that there, one I do know. But there's not a sequel. <laughs> um,
1: I had to lighten the. Thumb out. Yeah,
0: well, yeah. When when you're talking crucifixion, take any any moments of levity you can. Um,
1: it's, and it's not the act of, of crucifixion that kills the person, too. Like, right, right. You know, we, we talked about how cruel Rome is through the last couple episodes, especially the scourging of Jesus, and how cruel and how that could kill someone on their own. The nail piercings in the hands, the wrists, the feet are not the act that kills a person. You suffocate right. to death on this cross because your body cannot hold up. You get so weak you can't hold up your own weight. And yet, just another way that Rome tortures those that go against them.
0: And not being too too gruesome here, th- suffocating even at that was a probably a better way. That there there were there were instances where people who'd be crucified, birds of prey would.
1: Yeah, I knew you were going there. Yeah, would disembowel <laughs>
0: you while you were still yeah. alive. Um, and so, like it suffocating is 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 when you're talking about crucifixion is the it's, better way to it's go. The kinder yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Um, And later on, when we get to, when they do break the legs of the other criminals, Mm -hmm. that wasn't just cruelty, that was to prevent you from being able to support your own weight to speed along your suffocation, so that Mm -hmm. eventually your own weight compressed against your lungs there, right? So, okay, so when Jesus is crucified, two others are crucified with him. Yes. Unrelated charges. It's not Jesus and two of his disciples. These are two other people, and in... Ma- in Mark's gospel, they are both mocking him nonstop and never have any change of heart. Mm-hmm. Matthew does the same thing. John doesn't mention about any conversation about what happens between them. But um, in Luke's gospel, there's uh, an interesting uh, sort of conversation or a change of heart, you could say, uh, between what happens. Um, uh, the, the way Mark tells the story, everybody is just mocking Jesus the whole time. The crowd is mocking The soldiers are mocking mm-hmm. him. Uh, while he 's dying, and before we get to that conversation between jesus and the the one thief who seems to have something happen in his heart uh, in the next moment, um, it seems to me worth mentioning that part of that mockery takes the form uh, of the 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 notion, if you really are the Son of God, come mm-hmm. down from the cross, right? So this is—I mean, this is sort of the, the charge they level against him. As he said, he was the Son of God. He said he was the Savior. Well, if, God, if he's really God's chosen Savior, shouldn't he, you know, be the one destroying the Romans, not dying at their hands? Shouldn't mm-hmm. he be the one saving the day, not dying? Um, and it seems to me too that it's worth at least making this connection and leaving this for whatever we'll do with it. That when Jesus goes toe to toe against the the tempter, the, the devil in the wilderness story. The repeated introduction the devil uses is, if you're the Son of God, do X or Y or Z. And when Luke ends that story, he goes, and the devil left him until an opportune time. And the sort of haunting dun dun dun. Well, like, there's a number of folks who say, like, there's intentionality behind the way the phrasing is from the crowd here at the end. Mm -hmm. That this is sort of, in a sense, like, all along, all the temptations are really about Jesus pick something other than the way of the cross. And that finally it just comes out to, well, if you really are the Messiah, then don't do a foolish thing like dying, but get off the cross and prove to us you're the superhero and then kill the romans while you're at it and that jesus choice is to stay on the cross rather than mm-hmm. to get down from it but that this is sort of the quintessential diabolical temptation is do this be the messiah in a way that doesn't involve the cross
1: well in luke's gospel this is where we get um uh, some of jesus's final words Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing.
0: Right, right, right. And this is another one of those places where there's textual variants. Some ancient manuscripts do include that line, some Mm -hmm. don't. But that that seems to be fitting that this moment would happen there. Um, And also, looking ahead in Luke's Gospel, when Luke writes his sequel, The Book of Acts, when uh, Stephen is stoned by the Mm -hmm. crowd... Stephen says, uh, he prays as he's dying, as they're they're killing him, don't hold this sin against them. And it seems to me that Luke wants to make a a connection between this is the way Jesus dies and look how the way Jesus' followers die then too, that there should be that kind of connection thematically as well. Um, So yeah, while Jesus is being mocked, Jesus' response is not to answer evil with Mm -hmm. evil. Which, again, seems to me like this is an important connection to make, that Jesus is someone who spent his ministry teaching people when people do evil to you, don't respond with evil. You can... Uh, you don't have to agree or accept what they're doing, but you don't return evil for evil, violence for violence, mockery Mm -hmm. for mockery, hatred for hatred. And that Jesus literally puts his money where his mouth is. I mean, Jesus, Jesus, when it comes to him being mocked, him being attacked, him being tortured, Jesus doesn't respond with bitterness or vindictiveness or anger or something Mm -hmm. like that, but he responds with prayers for mercy for the people who are killing him.
1: And so, this is where... The repentant thief comes in. Because, you know, you have the crowd mocking him. You have one one of the thieves that's next to him, you know, is mocking him. And then you have this other thief saying, dude, we deserve this. Like, we did something wrong. You know, they're thieves. They stole something. You know, they they actually broke a Roman law. Uh, and somehow he, he seems to know that, you know, clearly this, this Jesus fellow didn't do anything. At least nothing worth being crucified for. Yeah. And... You know, we, we see Jesus' mercy come out again where you know, the thief says, um, you know, he, he's repentant and Jesus says to him, you know, you'll be with me today in paradise.
0: Right. It, I, I think it's interesting, like, the way this, <clears throat> the way this conversation unfolds, that, like, the, the person on the cross next to him doesn't exactly, I mean, like, he's got some kind of faith because he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into Mm -hmm. your kingdom. But, like, he doesn't have the chance to make amends, right? There's no possibility of, like, Jesus, if you let me off the hook right now or somehow save me, I promise I'll go rescue some kittens or help somebody across the street or whatever thing I did, I'll make it. He doesn't have the opportunity at all. There's just simply this desperate, like, and it, like, he doesn't even, um, he doesn't even have faith, like, like he can't recite the words of the apostles creed or say the lord's like he doesn't yeah. he doesn't have what we would we would qualify well how how what how much does he believe what does he understand about Jesus does he know that Jesus is you know the son of god like he doesn't get any of that he just he's convinced that this Jesus uh, like like in a desperate leap that he's coming in, in this kingdom he's been talking about that this will really happen in some way, um, even if he doesn't exactly know what is it that he believes about Jesus. He doesn't
1: even pray the Jesus prayer. I mean, you <laughs> know, like... Right.
0: Nobody's invented the Jesus <laughs> prayer. It's it's not the 19th century yet. <laughs>
2: I've always kind of wondered about the other thief. Mm-hmm. The one who we do not call the repentant thief mm-hmm. or criminal. Because um, he, he's, he's up there and... The words that we have of him, that he says, is, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. And, you know, since we can't get tone of voice with the text, you know, I I always wonder, how did he say this? Was he being completely mocking, or was he... Being like half mocking, half pleading. Right. About like, you know, because Jesus at this point is pretty well known that as a miracle worker, you know, how amazing it would it be that if the day that you get crucified, you just happen to get crucified next to a miracle worker, and what if he performs <laughs> another miracle and you get saved?
1: Right, like, right.
2: You know, I, I wonder if there might be some hope or desperation coming from this man. Who you know?
1: Who's saying, "Save yourself
2: mm-hmm. and us"? Mm-hmm. Surely mm-hmm. this
1: miracle worker wouldn't just save himself and then leave these other <laughs> guys <laughs> right, 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 up right. on the cross. You know, like that's not who Jesus is.
2: No, yeah, if he if he heals lepers, surely he will save this thief. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, you're right. It's hard to tell how how is this spoken. And I, I bet at at the very least there has to be some level of just plain desperation in this. Not it's yeah. not it's not like he's using his last breath just to be mean.
2: Also in pain right. and also afraid and facing death, that surely in his last moments he's not going to just be a
0: bully. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's interesting too how like we make certain assumptions about what these people' crime must have been. the The word that is used to describe them in in uh, the NRS we just translated as criminals, and mm-hmm. the Greek is even less helpful. the The word is kakurgoi, which means Evildoers—they <laughs> were just people who did something bad, yeah. bad workers—and um, yeah, we like we could imagine. Well, it must have been something pretty serious to get uh, capital punishment to be to be killed. But hard, wrong. <laughs> yeah, well, right, right, right. But and and hard to know for sure. Um, but we we invent all kind of backstories for them sometimes.
2: And yeah, because I, I have it pretty firmly in my head that they're thieves. But again, I've been struggling with that because the Bible that's in front of me is saying criminals. Um, so I don't know if that's a translation, That if there is another English translation that, like, insists that this word is thief, or if that's just church tradition that says that these two were thieves.
0: Right, and I would say, too, I have often seen that sometimes the word... Uh, or or sometimes in, in places like this, they'll be described as like bandits or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. And that the imagery, like we automatically focus on, oh, these are people who rob people. When maybe the idea like is Robin Hood. Right. Well, right, right, right. But I mean, like that maybe this is part of like that their mo is like when they would round people up, you know, they would. Rob and kill from you know, kill people. I mean, like sort of like the the um, people in the uh, the parable of the good Samaritan, like the people who beat yeah. the guy up and take. Well, they're technically thieves. You could call them thieves, but also they are people who beat somebody half to death. So they're in a, you know, like they're and left them for death. Yeah, so they mm-hmm. are attempted murderers as well. So you could use any of those words for them. Yeah. And I, I guess like it's it's. I'm not sure how much weight I want to put on the what was their crime, and more to say, here are people that Rome identified as public enemies and decided it was best to put them to death to make an of them as well. In in that desperation, one of them certainly, and maybe the other one, kind of half, like you know, like say, if you really are on the side, this would be a great time to save us. Um, and here is the other one, just saying, remember me, and you would come into your kingdom. And Jesus' response is, today you'll be with me in paradise.
2: Yeah, because because at least the way I tend to read this text is that guy number one who says, save yourself and us. I think might still have hope. Mm. Whereas guy number two who says, remember me when you come into your kingdom, has given up. Mm-hmm. And, or at least given up on this earthly life. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you could argue that since he's saying, remember me into your kingdom, who knows exactly what he's thinking, what he's saying mm-hmm. that? whereas we're definitely thinking the afterlife as um, readers 2,000 years later. But, um, but again, I don't know if I'm just trying to read too much into this text and trying to um, give give this criminal on um, the cross more slack than he might deserve.
0: <laughs> well, and I, to me, like it seems like the the thrust in this story and part of why it gets remembered the way it does is not so much to emphasize. What is it that the the correct thief said to get himself in heaven? But more to say, this is about the mercy of Jesus. That this is mm-hmm. not about if you can follow the example of this bandit. No, he's not, he's not a positive example. Like they're not they're not role models here. They're bandits. They're thieves. They're whatever. Um, they're doers. Yeah, they're they're kakau Um <laughs> But um, th- this is about Jesus, like prodigal, abundant, reckless grace to people who mm-hmm. have no opportunity to make amends.
2: So, uh, with that reckless grace, does the Greek, when Jesus says, um, today you will be with me in paradise, is that you singular or plural? Is he including the second criminal, or is he even including the ones who he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing? Like, is this a plural you, or is it singular? Is he talking to just the second evildoer?
0: That is a good question. I will look that up in just a moment and check that out. But, uh, side note, part of where we get bandits from is Mark's gospel calls them bandits. Um, And uh, the word there can be translated thieves or bandits or something like that. So Luke gave us kaka (laughs) urgoi, just general evildoers, criminals, and uh, Mark gives us that they are bandits. And again, like, the 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 force of the word bandit, is this on primarily their crime? Is they stole stuff? Is that they beat people up when they did it? I, I don't know. Um, but I think it's more than just guy with a mask and a money bag like in the cartoons sticking up a <laughs> bank. I think, there, I think there has to be bloodshed in all this as well. My guess is going to be, and I'm a little bit nervous about uh, exploring this, but my guess is going to be when Jesus says back to the criminal... Uh, today you'll be with me in paradise. That that is in the singular, and I'm not sure how much I want to hang on that. I'm not yeah. sure that I want to say that Jesus' point is to say, and you because you phrase the words right, you get mercy, and you other guy you don't. I don't. Yeah. I don't. Again, I think that's an argument from silence. That because he doesn't say anything to the other guy that therefore I'm sorry. You're that's it. There's no hope for you. But I think it's more you're the one who asked me a question. I will answer you in the singular. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so uh, I'm I'm not certain about how much how much weight I want to hang on that, but let me look it up real quick here, and see if I can answer the singular or plural conversation here. Talk amongst yourselves.
1: <laughs> Our Greek expert.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did not do well in Greek in seminary. I took the required classes, and I did the homework, and I passed, uh-huh. but... Uh, I took beyond
1: the required classes, but I don't remember anything yeah. <laughs>
2: I know just enough to understand about grammar and...
0: Stuff. Yeah, that's where I got lost. So yeah, it's singular. Uh, okay. Amen. Lego soy. I am saying to you today, you'll be with me in paradise.
2: Well, not unexpected, but disappointed.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, but again, I would say just because it's in the singular doesn't. I don't. I don't think it's fair to say, and I don't think the Greek requires you to say that Jesus is therefore saying. Only you are the only one who I will be giving mercy to. This other guy, I'm definitely not giving it to. It's more to say, you singular ask me a question, I answer you back in the singular as well.
2: Oh no, this will not kill my eternal hope that God (laughs) cares and loves and saves all of us, even if we are evildoers who do not know what we do. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, like that—that that seems an important piece too. That while this direct conversation with this particular thief is phrased in the singular, the prayer "Father, forgive them, for they know not or what they're, they're doing", doing yeah. is clearly in the plural. Yes, um, and it seems to me like the strongest case about who's the "them" who don't know what they're doing includes the Romans. I mean, that like yeah. this is not just that this is not just. Well, these these other fellow Israelites who are crucifying me—they're part of the chosen people. Save them, but. This is, includes the mm-hmm. Romans, who are the ones who would be most ignorant and not aware that they're crucifying the very Son of God. Um, and that that's a pretty broad, they don't know what they're doing. And on the days I can't find my way of a paper bag, I'm, <laughs> I'm grateful to know that Jesus' mercy includes those who don't know what they're doing. Yes. That's me on a regular basis.
1: So the next station, and um, the last before Jesus actually dies, spoiler alert, before the next episode. Um,
0: <laughs> I haven't seen Spartacus
1: yet. <laughs> is jesus and his mother mary and his disciple john um and picking up in john's gospel in chapter 19 starting in verse 25 meanwhile standing there near the cross of jesus were his mother and his mother's sister mary the wife of um, clopas and mary magdalene and when jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing beside her he said to his mother woman here is your son and he said to the disciple here is your mother And from that hour on, the disciple took her into his own home. So, it
2: doesn't actually say John, it's just the disciples. Yeah, and so we're
0: left, and like this is a moment maybe to say, in John's Gospel, right about the Passion narrative, or the upper room, Mm -hmm. we get this figure named every so often, who Uh. is the disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, who was sitting nearby Jesus at the Last Supper, and then who shows up in the garden in the Mm -hmm. courtyard.
2: I like the theory that this disciple is Lazarus. Uh, because right before that happened Jesus raised Lazarus Lazarus. from the dead so I like the theory that the disciple that Jesus loved in the gospel of John is not John but in fact Lazarus.
0: You can make a case of that too because when Mm -hmm. Jesus weeps and breaks down the crowd says see how he loved loved him him. Yeah.
2: and at the after the resurrection when Jesus is hanging out with his disciples and Peter's all like Lord what about him and like gestures towards the disciple whom Jesus loved and um jesus replies with something along the lines of um what does it matter to you if he doesn't die before i come back again because i guess that was the rumor right and because lazarus was already raised from the dead
0: so it's a possibility
2: yeah <laughs> so anyway that's my favorite, favorite side note.
0: <laughs> at, at the end of john's gospel you get this additional weird coda where after a, the like a last mention of the beloved disciple it breaks the fifth wall, and the narrator now says, and I, this beloved disciple, am writing this down for you. He doesn't say my name is John, but he just yeah. says I'm... So the, there's a strong connection between... Saying whoever the beloved disciple is is the one who wrote the gospel. Now we automatically assume, oh, that must be John because we call this the Gospel of John. But the only reason we call this the Gospel of John is people assume John was the beloved disciple, <laughs> and that therefore, so like it's kind of circular. <laughs> yeah. um, we don't have any of the original manuscripts of any of these, and so we have no idea for sure who, who wrote any of the gospels. Uh, we don't even have even the Gospel of John with a title page or an autograph from John, because
2: yes. unfortunately, the author did not go. I, the beloved disciple. John right, Sam right. It with. was kind of a masked singer kind of
0: a thing. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. Yeah. Um, you all clearly
2: know who
0: I am. Um, but the, I, I guess, I, I guess you do have to to go come to some conclusion that whoever the beloved disciple is. They in, they are intended to be understood as a specific particular person mm-hmm. and not like a metaphorical concept because at the end there's the idea of this disciple actually takes Jesus' mother into his own home and mm-hmm. cares for and provides for her because presumably Joseph isn't in the picture anymore like we yeah. get no stories of adult Joseph yeah. in adult Jesus' life and whether that's because he's died or not who knows but um, he's not in the picture and so it seems mm-hmm. it falls to somebody to make sure that Mary is taken care of. And so uh, John takes, or the beloved disciple takes Mary into his own home. That suggests to me we are meant to understand this is a real physical historical person and not a concept. Because I've I've mm-hmm. heard some people make the case: well, the beloved disciple is you, the reader, and that seems to me like I'm not I'm not sure that makes sense because he's sitting there eating at the table next to Jesus, and it's, um, <laughs> also Jesus.
2: he's literally taking care of Mary. Right? Exactly. Exactly. Dead. So um, I
0: don't I don't think it's a metaphor, even though I've heard I've I've heard that interpretation before. Oh, I've not heard that. Um, so it, I guess it's interesting to me that um, Jesus knowing that he is dying and knowing that he is moments away from death and again, whatever whatever awareness he has of the promise of resurrection, that's on the radar too. But knowing those things that might seem more urgent, his concern is for other people. I mean, there's mm-hmm. something beautiful about that and very Jesus about that mm-hmm. um, that is like, okay I need to make sure that someone is taking care of her as well. And that as much as he has cared for strangers though you know the, mm-hmm. forgive those who are crucifying me and even offering paradise to this uh, dying uh, evil doer next to him um, that he s- is still concerned both for the beloved disciple that he have some purpose in life and not be aimless after this but also for his mother as well um, and that they both be cared for uh, as well and it, at least the way that the story goes the beloved disciple took him took her into his home for the whole rest of her life which is lovely to think
2: Especially because she doesn't seem to be without options. That, you know, while they're standing there watching Jesus die on the cross, you know, being with him in his final moments, she is standing there with her sister, who has a husband named for her, as if he's still living. So I don't think we should be taking away from this that should have should Jesus have died without naming somebody to care for her, that she would have just been sure. alone in the world. She mm-hmm. still had family who presumably would have took her in, but that despite that, Jesus still took the moment to mm-hmm. sure. make sure that she definitely had sure. somewhere to go. Well
0: and Jesus presumably has brothers and sisters too from that conversation yes. where people say, Hey Jesus, your brother and sisters are here mm-hmm. um, that it, like it, it might have fallen to them to take care of Mary as well, if that was a concern. But again, it seems to me like the assumption is that this beloved disciple knew Jesus' mother well enough that this made sense. That mm-hmm. it was going to be like, you'll, look, you, you, you guys will have each other. You'll take care of each other. You, you'll, you know, this, this will be okay. Um, but it, to me, it says this is this is illustrative of that. Even in his dying moments, Jesus is concerned about his mom. He's concerned about his friend. He's concerned mm-hmm. about these other people as well. Um, and there's something beautiful about that. I, I, I guess. You know in, when when you see this story played out in the movies everything feels rushed because it the condenses you know a day into you know a, scenes in, in in a movie but there is something about the the crucifixion that at some point becomes almost weirdly mundane that one, once he's strung up on the cross it's hours before he dies mm-hmm. it's and that's a fast crucifixion three hours six hours on a cross um and that at some point like there is this weird opportunity for Jesus to say things like I want you to know you need to take care of mom and you need to take care of... Like, it, it, it's weird to think that there would be a moment for small talk there. But, yeah, there's there's a moment for small talk. It, 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 it seems so bizarre to me, especially because all the other methods of capital punishment we use today are meant to be fast. Um, but here the Romans did something intentionally slow that allowed for these moments of conversation, including what seems in a way almost too mundane and ordinary to be... I mean, we should all be grieving, and here Jesus is like, make sure you take care of mom, and don't forget her bunny slipper. I mean, like, Mm -hmm. he's concerned about the details of her life.
2: And and I know that the three of us as pastors have been there next to people on their deathbeds, you know, which for us usually means a hospital bed or a hospice bed at Mm -hmm. home, um, where those conversations do happen, where the person knows that they are dying and that they you know, are saying their final goodbyes to their family and friends, um, but that this is happening in, like, a public sphere, and this death is unnecessary, like, is completely outside of my realm of experience, right? Mm -hmm. Like, um, because in theory, this death could have been stopped if, you know, the authorities would have just let him down and his wounds could have been attended to. Um, but that's not what's happening. Yeah. So Jesus is up on this cross and having those conversations that I know that we've all witnessed. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And I, 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 now that you say that, that's a really really helpful insight for me because in a weird way, in those moments when you're when you're with people and someone is clearly dying, sometimes it feels very heavy and there is just this we can feel like we can only talk about the heavy stuff about, you know, their medical condition and all that. And sometimes they're talking about the things that their family is going to continue on with. Mm-hmm. So if they, you know, like sometimes it is the person who's in the hospital bed, the one who's dying, talking to their spouse and saying, like, I want you to make sure you, you know, if you find somebody, I, I you have my permission to get mm-hmm. married, or, you know, I'll make sure I want you to take care of your mother or something also, like that.
2: Also, don't forget to change the oil every six right, months. Right, right, virus. right, yeah. right, right. Those things are important to remember. Yeah,
0: and that those things do get said, and that those mm-hmm. are said... With deep love about like this lens of like life is going to go on, and i 'm not going to be there, but I want to make sure you 're taken care mm-hmm. of there 's something deeply beautiful if you 're in that moment and here Jesus gets to be in that moment, looking after those who he won 't be there for in that yeah. particular way um, and as it doesn't, it doesn't make it less weird, because even when you're living through one of those moments in the hospital in somebody's living room or bedroom or whatever, it's weird that we can have those conversations about normal life while someone else's life is coming to an end. But yeah, that happens. That happens a lot.
1: What strikes me about this, in, in the other words of Jesus from the cross, is you know, we, we've talked about how much he's been tormented, how much he's been tortured, how, how weak he was. Mm-hmm. And yet, these are the things that he makes sure that he says. Yeah, You know, of all the things that he could say from the cross in that weakened state, and in, in that dying state, you know, he, he says things like words of forgiveness and, mm-hmm. and promising um, his kingdom to a, someone who is repentant and making sure that his mother is taken care of. You know, I could, from what I've read about the, cru- you know, crucifixions without the scourging, you know, how weak people are... Um, you know, I can imagine him not saying anything at all but he takes time to say these things mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um, that's just kind of what strikes me anytime I look at the, the last words of Jesus from the cross is mm-hmm. that he uses what little bit of strength he has yeah. to say the things that he does.
0: It, it, it's interesting to me in a way that like we sometimes talk about people's last words like embodying something important about their mm-hmm. life or what matters to them and there's a piece of me that feels like these words are fitting to be among the last things Jesus says and does and yet at the same time Jesus seems to me like the the person in history who at every point lives in a way that he wouldn't regret what he had last said. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like but like this so fits with the character of who Jesus is at every point along the way. That's you know, stop the story at any point and Jesus has just helped a stranger, been kind to someone who was close to him mm-hmm. and been merciful beyond anybody's deserving and it says something to me about like um while Jesus is more than moral example for us and we have things we say about Jesus that he is beyond beyond just being a good example he's the son of God and the savior and all that he is also the example of like I would like to live my life in such a way that at the end of any day if it was my last day I wouldn't have regrets that man mm-hmm. I was a real jerk to so and so and I didn't have the chance to make amends or what a rotten last thing to have mm-hmm. said to somebody um, and there's something freeing too about it if, if that's how you live your life there's an awful lot of regrets you don't have to carry if every day you end the day with and I was able to look people. In the eye, and I don't have regrets that I was a jerk when I didn't have to be, and I handled you know, other people's rottenness in a way that was mm-hmm. respectful and dignified, that there's something about the way Jesus lives that makes this, the way he dies, f- I'm going to say fitting, but I'm not sure what the right word of it like. Mm-hmm. It seems like, yeah, somebody who lives the way Jesus lives, this is going to be the way he faces death, too. And it's not like he was a jerk and then in his last moments he turned it around sometimes you'll hear those moments someone was rough and difficult in life and then in their death they sort of softened up and became nice or something here Jesus' whole life long is is nothing but authentic all the way through and it gives me this sort of uh hope of like yeah i would like to be that kind of person as well
2: so the story isn't over yet uh next week is holy week and they in Holy Week, the story also is not over. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: So join us uh, as we continue our series next week. And remember, please, 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 that even when Jesus is put in a grave, uh, that isn't the end of the story either. But join us for more conversation next time on Crazy Fake Talk. See you. Bye. <laughs>